G'day and welcome to another episode of Women's Baseball, The Inside Pitch. International Women's Day is held globally on March 8 to celebrate women's achievements and raise awareness against gender bias and take action for equality. The theme for the 2022 International Women's Day is Break the Bias. In baseball, many women have had to break a bias at some point in their baseball journey, whether it's been as a player, an umpire, coach, scorer, in the media or even management positions. On 2022 International Women's Day, I've chosen to feature and celebrate three women in baseball in Victoria, Australia, who are leading by example on and off the field. Abby McClellan's journey in baseball has been one of commitment and persistence. She started playing baseball as an 11-year-old in Footscray Baseball Club's under-16 team, and then when she was 16, she made her Victorian team debut. Primed to make her Australian team debut in 2016, unfortunately, a knee reconstruction ended her 2016 World Cup campaign. However, in a story of never letting go of your dreams, Abby came back to represent her country at the 2018 World Cup, is back in the Victorian team and has a sight set on the 2022 National Championships. I hope you enjoy this episode with Abby McClellan. Women's Baseball, The Inside Pitch. Welcome, Abby McClellan. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Excited to have a chat. And I'm excited because this is my first ever episode where I'm chatting AMAC to AMAC. And I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, yep. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's funny you say that, actually. I, I try and avoid AMAC these days. Um, I feel like it's uh, not disrespectful, but I feel like I need to leave that nickname to the, the one and only uh, in yourself. <laughs> I'm sure there was. Yeah, an, I try and dodge it. <laughs> I'm sure there was an AMAC before me. I think we only played one team together for for state, yeah. so I think we can avoid it there. But if you need to be AMAC now, I'm more than happy to hand it over. I don't think I own oh. it, but <laughs> thank you. Thank oh, you. I'll, I'll go forth with permission. <laughs> <laughs> I want to take you right back to the start. Um, we talk about uh, a lot of people coming into baseball from softball, from cricket, from things like that. You came from lacrosse. I did, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a bit of an unusual one um, in terms of, you know, sport crossover and also just lacrosse in general, very kind of niche sport in Australia. Um, uh, but, yeah, basically came about because of my sister, so my sister Lisa, who's four years older than me. Um, I was the, the, the typical younger, younger sister or younger child, um, just tagging around to all of her hobbies um so I did it to all of her sports so we started uh way back when we were real young in gymnastics um she would start and then I was there so I gave it a go and started um so did it in gymnastics did it in netball um did it in lacrosse um and then she when she was playing lacrosse she was playing with one of her best mates from high school uh Sammy Moore um whose family just happened to be kind of the the family at Footscray Baseball Club um, they kind of ran the show. Uh, and so Sammy uh, convinced Lisa to come over from the winter season of lacrosse to go over and play the summer season of baseball with her and her family. Um, and she did, obviously. Uh, and then once again, I was tagging along uh, and then, yeah, picked it up and ran with it from there. You were, you were 11 or how old were you at this stage? Yeah, so I was uh, probably around 10 or 11. Um and then, so Lisa being four, four years older than me, uh, she was kind of 14, 15, um, started playing 
uh, in the under 16s team. So um, with Perrin Sammy played in the, the junior under 16s team. Um, and it just so happened that that was uh, unfortunately the youngest junior team that Footscray had at the time. They didn't have a, a 12s or a 14s team. So that was that was the only option. So if I wanted to give it a go, that was the team. Um, and so, yeah, my first season of baseball was an 11-year-old in, a, in an under-16s team. <laughs> wow. And look, uh, we know you're a very tall, um, a t- very, very tall person. My gut tells me mm-hmm. you're probably pretty tall at 11. Did you pass as a 15-year-old? Yeah, yeah. I've always, I'm a, you know, I've got a big body, big unit. Um, so yeah, I, I, I fit in enough. <laughs> <laughs> and what was, um, I guess, what was it about baseball that you, you liked? Um, and we know you've spent the majority of years as a catcher. Did you, what grabbed you first and was it catching? Absolutely not. <laughs> I, um, again, I dodged catching uh, like a plague. I could, did not want to buy of it when I was younger. Um, probably scared the hell out of me. Um, it still does me. <laughs> yeah. So um, dodged the catching, spent most of my time as an outfielder or at first base um, through like younger junior years. Um did not bad, enjoyed that. Um, I think I was more so, I've always been a big fan of hitting, so that was the, the big draw card. Um, but yes, outfield first base uh, until I got up to the senior women's team. So once I was old enough to play um, in the senior women's team, I somehow got uh, pigeonholed into third base. Um, I assume because the coach kind of picked me as the you know, big, strong kid with a, a decent arm having to make the long throw. Um, so, yeah, I got uh, stuck at third base, which is a, a terrible idea. <laughs> um, anyone that knows me present day uh, trying to watch me field a ground ball is a, an absolute circus. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I didn't last at third base very long. Um, probably half a season the coach persisted in trying to um, see if it would click, and uh, it very much did not. <laughs> uh, so they sent me back out to the outfield Um Spent another couple of years in the outfield, um, and then it's—I'm not sure what happened, but uh, eventually stumbled into catching and didn't look back. Yeah, I was just thinking about the first time I saw you. I think it was Melbourne Uni in winter when I was coaching Doncaster, and I think you were third base. You may have actually come on to pitch, I think, but you, as you said, you spent some time in the outfield. I think we did some work in the, your first couple of Aussie squads together. But do you remember the first time you caught? When did you go? Oh, actually, don't mind this. I'm pretty good at it. Yeah, so it was, uh, I, my catching, when I look back on it, it, it was very strange when I think about kind of how I evolved in terms of my kind of skill acquisition, um, very strange. So I specifically remember, um, obviously, blocking being a, a huge part of catching, uh, and I would argue it's possibly the, the most difficult to pick up in terms of the, the th- you're trying to tell yourself to stop and block yourself or drop yourself in front of a ball that's coming at you sometimes very quickly. So it's a very unnatural thing to do. Um, and I remember specifically when the penny dropped with me about blocking uh, and it literally happened overnight. So one game I was catching and I was just picking, uh, like would not block, absolutely would not block, picked everything or sometimes jumped out of the way. <laughs> um, and then I, Again, I don't know what happened, but overnight, uh, the, that next week at the game, I dropped and blocked for the first time ever. And it was, it was almost comical. I stopped kind of mid-game, like on my knees, just having blocked the ball and went, light bulb moment, oh my God, I've just done it. And it went from there. Um, 
it's so strange. It was such a strange feeling. <laughs> and what is it about catching you like the most? Like, what is it? Because I just don't understand catches. You... <laughs> it is it is a very strange uh, and specific uh, mindset and type of type of person that uh, really really loves catching. Um, I think I think it's probably more to do with the leadership side of it. Um, I like. I really like obviously being involved in in every pitch, um, being kind of the the core of the game, the pitcher and the catcher, obviously essential to the to the game. Um, I don't, in terms of when you talk about pitcher, pitching and catching, I don't really like the spotlight of the pitcher, <laughs> having you know all the eyes on you, kind of the the main character of the game. Um, so I like being involved, but kind of more uh, in in the shadows. So I like being the kind of the little hard worker that's. Um, Involved and in control a lot. Obviously, the catcher uh, very involved in running the game um, on the field. Uh, but yeah, just the the leadership side of it, um, having to be so aware. There's so many different components of the game that you have to be aware of as a catcher, um, and it just yeah, it's it's challenging. Um, yeah, I just love the challenge and the leadership. And you, I guess just before you went to catching though, you um, were selected on your first Victorian team. So you, you represented the white team, which is the, the yep. blue team and, and the white team. So you were 16, you went away to Canberra, your first nationals in the white team. What do you remember? I, I, I remember a lot of my nationals are starting to blur together now, I'm not going to lie. But my first <laughs> one, I remember it like it was yesterday because it's just... It's a whirlwind buzz candy store. There's players, there's names, there's like, you just feel out of depth. What was your, mm-hmm. what are your, I mean, I'm looking at stats. You hit 444, so you're doing pretty well on <laughs> yes. the, on the, in the scorebooks. Uh, what do you remember yourself? Yeah, so it was, a, that's a really good way to put it. Like you said, the kind of a whirlwind of uh, this whole other world that I had no idea existed. Um, I'd come from, I believe at that point in time, Footscray was either in Division 2 or 3 of the of the Victorian comp. Um, so I wasn't even playing at kind of the highest level um, locally. And then all of a sudden I was thrust into this national competition um, that I'd never heard of, knew nothing about, um, knew kind of vaguely of the other players, obviously the other Victorian players. Um, people had kind of worded me up on the other, like interstate players that, you know, oh, that's kind of, that's Tanya Lovering and that's Katie Gaynor and that's Nat Rawlings kind of, you know, dropping all the names that I should be scared of and, and rightfully so. Um, uh, but in terms of the actual tournament itself, um, I, I find it funny that you uh, mentioned my, my hitting stats because the, the one hitting stat that I always stuck in my mind um, was the fact that I led the strikeouts for most of the tournament. <laughs> um which, yeah, obviously at the time wasn't great, but right at the moment, you know, I can look back and have a bit of a giggle about how it started and um, I've hopefully progressed past that. But, well, um, I would think a Division 3 or 2 jump facing pitching up into the Nationals mm-hmm. is a pretty significant jump, so it's probably not so much an ind- indication of your ability rather than mm. the jump to a Nationals level. Yeah, the learning curve that happened at a tournament. <laughs> <laughs> it's a steep one. It is, yes. Um and then, yeah, the other thing that, uh, again, I kind of think back and laugh about was um, uh, to think that I was so kind of in awe of jumping to a, a national level um, or like a national competition um, and the fact that I was then kind of faced with uh, the Australian squad um, and just the knowledge that that was a thing and that that was, um, a, you know, a process that happens at the nationals. 
um, with uh, the coach at the time, Johnny Gaynor, uh, wandering around uh, scouting, uh, getting ready to select his squad. Um, and yeah, I just I remember the the first time that I was kind of told about this and that that happens at the nationals. Um, I was kind of they someone pointed out to me who Johnny was. Obviously, I still had no idea who he was. Um, so they pointed him out to me, um, explained that you know that he, he's wandering around selecting scouting players for for the national squad, and I was just instant panic. Um, no idea what to do. Uh, I remember very clearly making sure that I knew where he was all the time. Like my eyes were always kind of scanning the crowd and making sure I knew where he was sitting and when he was watching my games and when he was wandering off. And um, you're, not, which... you're not alone in that. I think we all did that. <laughs> if he was, if, if, I mean, obviously playing centre field, if I sort of saw him just suddenly appear mm-hmm. next to the scoring area, he'd be like, oh, stand up straight, oh. make sure you're covering every play, look like yes. a, yeah. No, I think yep. we're all... Extra loud cheering. <laughs> <laughs> Everything, everything. Yeah, no, I think everybody did that. <laughs> yeah, so that was um, it's everyone does it. It's it's obviously not the best thing to do because it's going to um, take your attention away from your game and probably decrease your performance um, given the distraction, um, which is the opposite of what you're trying to do in terms of impressing a coach. Um, but yeah, definitely being such a young player uh, at the time, I was um, well, sixteen or seventeen, seventeen, I think, um, and yeah, just probably. A, bit too immature to handle that situation um, given how new I was uh, and yeah it didn't didn't go well <laughs> and look I think you always have to remember your first nationals I think we all can't be superstars in our first nationals it's just the whole point so mm-hmm. as long as you said it's a learning curve um, yeah. but I look at your nationals sort of steps over the next few years as a teenager and you went into the white then you came into the blue we got to play our blue together then you were in the white, then you were back to the blue. So you were sort of bouncing around, I guess, the Victorian team, trying to find a position as an yes. outfielder and getting into your early stages as a catcher. Mm-hmm. And I think as you got towards sort of your, tw- your 20s, 2021, that's when we started to see you obviously start to find, whoa, okay, here we go. She's finding her straps with a hitting. She's finding her catching yes. position. And you've been in the squad for a few years. And then the start of 21, it's a World Cup year, it's 2016, and we're thinking, okay, this is awesome, we've got some young up-and-coming players. And then something which is just horrifying for all of us is you did your knee. I did, Um, yes. I still remember it. I was there when it happened. Just take us through what that's like, because I was very blessed not to get a major injury in my career, and I just feel for everyone that did, but that really impacted your entire year. What was, what, tell us how it happened and your feelings. Yeah, so um, it was during a, a type of uh, an exhibition game that we were playing um, kind of a curtain raiser for the Melbourne Aces, the men's team, um, as kind of a practice game or like a leading game for our nationals we're about to go away for. Um, it was the, the, the one of the random years where they'd moved our regular time slot from our Easter, normal Easter time, um, up to the January holidays. Um, so we obviously overlapped with the, the ABL season, which was great. So we were playing this curtain raiser game um, and I uh, I'd hit a ball and I was trying to stretch a double into a triple. Um, terrible idea in hindsight. <laughs> um, so obviously I got hung up between second and third base, um, decided to uh, abort the mission, turn back to second base. Um, and the instant I tried to stop, and plant my foot to, to change direction. Um, my knee buckled uh, out from under me, uh, went down and, yeah, I'd um, 
it ended up I actually ended up uh, dislocating my knee. So I dislocated the, the knee joint, um, which in turn obviously ruptured my ACL um, and then gave me a bunch of kind of micro or kind of hairline fractures in my femur and my patella um, or kneecap. Um, yeah, uh, bad news. <laughs> wow. And this was January, which for some people that don't know, they moved our nationals for a period. Our nationals are always Easter. We always wake up yeah. eating chocolate at Easter, which is not great, but <laughs> they moved it for a couple of years, I think, for I, yeah. I'd retired by then to January. So you were, this was like a week before nationals, wasn't it? It was, yes. Yeah, so it was like nine, seven, I think it was seven or eight days before we were meant to fly out. So you pretty much know your nationals are, are gone. You know there's a World Cup going in a few months and you're on that squad. Tell me, take me through your feelings and what you, I guess, accepting that nationals was gone and, and, and what did you think about World Cup in six, seven months from then? Yeah, so um, obviously initially in terms of nationals, I uh, probably um, very blindly ended up going to the physio, obviously from pretty much straight from the, the stadium that day. I went to, straight to my physio um, with the very, very small chance, obviously, that I was going to get to the get to the nationals to play in any in any any capacity. Sorry, um, they shut me down, obviously, r- real quick about that idea. That was obviously not going to happen. Um, so, initial, obviously, really upset that I was going to miss that. Um, fortunately enough, I did actually get up there for the nationals to watch. So, I convinced uh, one of my club teammates to drive me up to Canberra because um, I wasn't going to be able to fly. So, they drove me up there. Um, two days after my surgery. So I had my surgery really, really quickly. Um, and then I got driven up to the tournament, uh, yeah, two days later. Um, so I could watch and support the girls. That was really cool. Um, even probably even more heartbreaking that I was there, but not there, but good to support them, obviously. Um, and then, yeah, look, moving forward and kind of looking forward to the World Cup, which would be scheduled for generally like August, September, um, of, of later that year. Um, the, the process that was kind of in line for that was the selection camp that was going to run up on the Gold Coast in June, June July-ish, I think it was. Um, so, yeah, the, the goal was to, to turn it around from surgery in January to um, making it in some capacity to the selection camp in June. Um, so for anyone that doesn't uh, know what's involved with an ACL RECO, generally they say it's between a, a nine and a 12-month uh, recovery back to competitive sport um, and I tried to do it in five five or six months okay um, yep so a <laughs> big uh, big push um, almost got there I'm gonna say I almost got there so I, I physically got to the the camp um, uh, showed up there on the first day um, big group of us got off the bus to do a bit of a kind of introduction chat with um, Simone uh, to my word, uh, the new head coach. Um, and after we'd done that chat, Joni, the team physio, um, pulled me aside um, uh, and said, basically, like, you've got some fitness tests to pass before we'll let you on the field, um, knowing that I was very underdone in my rehab. Um, I failed pretty much all of the tests that she made me do. Uh, and that Damn was you, Joni. Yeah. Thank you for being Love hate <laughs> relationship with Joni. Obviously, doing a job and keeping me safe, but yep. um, yeah, she, she she was not my favourite person that day. Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> um, so yeah, failed a bunch of the tests. Uh, had a bit of a breakdown, bit of a cry with her, um, knowing that that was pretty much the decision made that I wasn't going to be 
eligible for the um, 2016 team. Um, so, yeah, that was uh, really, really heartbreaking. That was – I'd pushed so hard um, and to, yeah, just stumble at that last hurdle of not quite getting there. Um, just, yeah, I don't, like, I don't like thinking about it too much because it still kind of makes me um, emotional and kind of what could have been if I had got that uh, – got into the team that the extra tournament early, just one more under my belt. Um, but yeah, just uh, very, very tough pill to swallow. Um, I think uh, while we were up on the Gold Coast, we had um, all the players had one-on-one meetings with the coaching staff. Um, and my conversation with Simone and the, the other coaches was um, very honest. It was mostly positive um, from what I remember. It was a, a very positive chat, obviously, minus the, um, you know, you're not, you're not making the team. Um, but they had some really good feedback for me. Um, were really kind of positive and encouraging that um, I was close and I was kind of on the right track to getting there once I was uh, fit and healthy. Um, but yeah, it kind of doesn't really doesn't really lessen the sting of um, the instant uh, uh, rejection of not not making the team. Well, what did you? I mean, that, and so that's middle of two thousand sixteen, and. You're trying to push it to. You're trying to push your Rico um, recovery back. Sorry, you're trying to push your Rico in in, in half the time, which is just. Mm-hmm. I know we get, we're determined in women's baseball. But that's that's just some crazy talk. But <laughs> we, what did you do? Like I look at, ahead, and and you, you got to play. You got on the field for the Victorian Summer Baseball League that very next season. So still within mm-hmm. a year, you're back on the field with Footscray Women's Division One, and you go and win the league MVP in batting. So within a year, you have gone, I'm going to Nationals, there's a World Cup, I've done my knee, Nationals is out, World Cup's out, and you still managed to come back and win a league MVP in a batting. I, I want to, what did you do? So that that emotion, physically, mentally, and emotionally, just must have been the most ridiculous 12 months. What what did you do after that moment Simone said you're not going to get to that point? Like, um, well, that's, it's, it's some pretty good motivation, the, the fact that I was kind of so close um, and that it wasn't, I was, I think the reason I stayed so positive was that it wasn't necessarily my baseball that didn't get me there. So it wasn't my skill. It wasn't like I wasn't good enough. I wasn't hitting well enough, etc. cetera. Um, because it was the injury, I feel that was the, that's what helped keep me so positive about the rehab and knowing that I was, I was so close. I was almost there if I can get this thing, this knee right um, and get back to where I was, I'm, I'm really on the right track. Um, So yeah, I don't, um, I don't remember ever kind of struggling uh, mentally in terms of keeping myself um, motivated, Uh, maybe except for the running sessions that were necessary. (laughs) That's a constant struggle. Um, But yeah, in in general, the, um, the motivation was there. It was all the feedback that I'd gotten from the coaches was um, fire enough uh, in my belly and it just, it just got the work done. It's, um, what needed to happen. So that's what I did. Um, I think, uh, hitting wise, the, the hitting, um, uh, award that I ended up getting, um, I think that the break really did me good. The stepping away from kind of all the mechanical talk and the, t- the technique talk that you go through, um, refining swings and that kind of thing, just stepping away from that for a, a bit and just, um, the, the little bit of training I was still doing initially in the rehab that was just basic swings um, really just kind of was very refreshing to my mind and just going back to feeling, you know, feeling good swings, feeling bad swings, 
um, and just, yeah, just make it, peeling it back to simplicity um, and just what you feel as you swing. I think that uh, really helped with my, um, the season that then followed um, in the beach balls that I was seeing for most of the season. <laughs> and, and that's the thing, you talk about that season there, 2016, 2017, I love the quote that you didn't even know you were going to win the awards and you turned up to the BV presentation night just hoping to get a free dinner and a couple of drinks, which is, hey, this is why we all go. Um, no, we don't. We love it. We do, we do go for, for other reasons. But the next few years, you won multiple hitting, multiple home run awards. Um, we won't talk about the home run you hit off me at Deep Creek Reserve. I still remember that. I think I fished that out of the um, creek myself. That can be between you and me. That's fine. We, we, we will not put that in the published episode. Um, yeah, so you talk about that, that season where you sort of just forgot about all the technique. But what did you do over the next few years? Like, is that the philosophy you took into those next few years? Because it's very easy for people to to look at you and go, okay, you're strong, you're tall. That's the only reason you're hitting home runs or hitting the way you hit, which I think is really disrespectful because I know the hard work that you've put in. What did you do over those those few years really in your hitting? And where did you get the coaching from? Yeah, so I think um, initially that was kind of where I started. So uh, that first year in 2011 um, – I was uh, picked up uh, by the Victorian coaching team um, of the, the blue team and the white team, obviously, um, on, the, on the premise that I was kind of this big, strong kid um, that could swing a bat decently hard, had a decent arm, um, but was very, very raw um, in terms of my skill and my technique. Um, so they picked me up, I think, a big, strong body that we can put some good baseball technique on. We can teach we can teach her the baseball. So that's definitely where it started. Um, and I'm okay with that. Um, uh, but, yeah, kind of moving through as kind of that te- technique was um, getting put on me by lots of different coaches, lots of different people kind of having their opinion on um, what to do, what not to do. Abby should try this. Abby shouldn't do that. That's bad for you, etc. cetera. Um, I think that the biggest thing that I picked up through all the different teams that I, that I, that I played on, being my club, the state team, the Aussie squads, um, was just uh, picking, picking and choosing kind of which coaches to really listen to. Um, it's impossible to listen to everybody. Um, everyone's going to have different advice, different uh, conflicting opinions. Um, so it's impossible to listen to everybody. So you just got to pick uh, which coaches you really respect and which coaches really kind of resonate with you and communicate with you in a, in a, a good way that you understand um, and stick with them. Um, obviously just take in as much as you can, but you've just got to know kind of what to, to take and what to leave. Um, uh, yeah, I think that's, that's the, kind of the biggest thing that it did me in initially because I was trying to listen to everybody in my real early years. Um, and that's, it's not going to work obviously, like I said, um, but eventually, yeah, kind of figured out that I needed to pick, um, one or two different people, um, to, to stick with and yeah, that's. That's where the consistency comes from. Mm. It's really, it's a really important point for people who are listening or learning or older players that um, listen to as many as you can, try and absorb it because I think you will work out, as you said, what fits for you, who knows what they're talking about. But the more tools, I guess, you can put in your back pocket, the better you are. And I always say that to everyone. I'll teach you what I know. And if you want to put it in your pocket, you want to put it in the bin, entirely up to you because everybody is their own. So... Um, now we go to 2018 and we've got another World Cup. You've done all this hard work. You've got home run awards. You've got everything. You're in that squad. How, how was your knee feeling, firstly? It, 
pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. I'd gotten back to, I would say I got back to catching, um, which was the number one goal being the most um, kind of stress I was going to have to put on it. Um, so as long as I was catching comfortably, I was I was really happy with where it was at at the time. Yeah. Yep. So we go to 2018, nationals are held, squads picked, and then the team announcements are about to happen. Can you tell me, I mean, spoiler alert, you make your first Australian team. And I, (laughs) so amazing. I remember seeing your name there. I was so excited. And before we get into sort of that selection, first homegrown Footscray player to make an Australian team for a World Cup. Shout out to Morgan Doty. Obviously, a Morgan Doty WA player had made an Australian team before. Um, And uh, Vanessa Riopel, um, Autumn Mills and the late Amanda Asay had played the Canadians. You're adopted, uh, adopted Aussies. Uh, adopted Aussies, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, and you were the first homegrown Footscray player. And everybody who knows Footscray Baseball Club, you were like, I think Lynn is first lady, but you are you bleed red, white, blue. And yes, how yes, is I try that? To. <laughs> you do, um, how was that moment for you and your club? I know it's just such a big thing. Yeah, um, I think to my personal drive to get to to the Australian level, obviously very strong. That was my number one goal, um, pretty much from that first uh, twenty eleven uh, white team. Um, and being having my eyes opened to the Australian team, that was instantly goal number one, personally. Um, but I think the through all the effort and all the support that Footscray had given me um, from from those early years, um, uh, and when I say support, uh, support physically in terms of um, the facilities that they provided for me, you know, coming and opening up cages for me early on off nights. Um, people like other players and teammates um, coming down and helping me doing my like my long toss and my running and um, all of the above, every kind of uh, kind of physical support that they could give, they did. Um, they also uh, really helped me financially. Um, being a, a younger kid starting out uh, at these kind of tournaments, they're notoriously expensive um, and it, it comes around every year. There's the same kind of expenses that pop up. Um, they helped me immensely financially. Um, with fundraisers and donations, uh, et cetera, running fundraising nights and that kind of thing. Um, the I'm not going to try and list uh, everyone uh, by name because um, I guarantee you, you'd uh, always forget somebody. Um, but the the two people that I probably would really need to to mention um, from my point of view uh, would be two of my really good coaches and also really good friends in um, Kevin Parry and Shane Kinlow. Um, two really influential people um, through my whole baseball career um, and also just two really good friends that uh, have stuck around and been baseball influencers but also just really good supportive friends along the way. Mm. And it's so awesome. Like I, I, I know Kev, I've seen him in that Footscray uniform for two decades now and it's just amazing. You see when a World Cup comes around, you see those 16, 18, 20 players on the field and the amount of people, as you just described, that put those players on the field, like the clubs – those people that are there at 10.30 on a Monday night or 6am on a Saturday, that they get to, I guess, not wear the jersey, but at least get that part of it as well. So Absolutely. Yeah, just people like that. It's just the absolute back, backbone of this, of this sport. But mm-hmm. um, t- tell me about that selection moment. When I, I remember when I got my first Australian team selection, it came in the mail and I got a, opened a letter. It was amazing. I think stamps were yeah. only about 45 cents back then, but um, I've still got the letter, it's framed. What was your selection and tell me about the moment? 
Yeah, so we um, we were lucky enough to get phone calls um, a little bit uh, a little bit quicker potentially, a little less anxiety in terms of waiting. Um, but yeah, the so the phone call came uh, from Simone. So Simone did the the call around, um, and I remember the moment my phone started buzzing. It was uh, laying on my bed, and I saw the name pop up on the screen. Um, I was mid uh, mid getting changed to uh, head off to a shift at the pub uh, at my job. Um, and it was instant panic. I, I saw the name, uh, face went red. I started sweating, instant, full panic modes. Um, stared at it for a, probably longer than I should have. Uh, eventually plucked up the courage to pick up the phone. Um, had the conversation with Simone. I don't remember anything other than you're in. Um, and it's pretty much as soon as she said you're in, that's just the, the feeling of wanting to uh, hang up the phone end conversation and just scream and cry and you know react with all the emotion that was that was there um but yeah had the had the conversation with Simone um hung up politely didn't didn't hang up on her <laughs> finished the conversation hung up politely um ran outside to my mum I was still living at home so ran outside to my mum um who was asleep on the couch having a bit of an afternoon nap uh and got rudely awoken by me jumping on a hysterical um, probably scared her given the state that I was in. Um, but yeah, but she obviously figured out eventually um, that there was a happy, happy hysterical, if that's a thing. Um, and it told her obviously as made the team, um, we had a bit of a freak out together. Uh, and then I, I was probably running late by that point. So I finished getting changed, um, headed down to work and then spent the rest of the day celebrating with my, um, my regulars at the pub. Just, uh, they were all really stoked for me as well. So it was, Kind of a, a full day of celebration. <laughs> I'm hoping a few of them uh, shouted you. Did you have a sneaky sneaky pint behind the bar during? A no, shift? unfortunately no. not. No, no. But um, yeah, plenty of cheers, plenty of high fives. Um, yeah, very cool. <laughs> well, World Cup 2018, USA, Florida. Um, it looked. I, I watched every game on online at 2 a.m. We had watching parties, viewing yeah. parties over so here. So cool. It was. Tell me about I remember my, like, I just, tournament, there's nothing better than tournament play, full stop, regardless if it's your first, if it's your last. It's like you're a a full-time baseballer. It's like that is your profession. You're waking up, you're going to bed, and then first World Cup, what is that like? Tell me about it. Another whirlwind. So that if I thought that uh, first white team was uh, a bit of a whirlwind, uh, (laughs) doesn't doesn't compare to to Florida. Um, the whole the whole process so the pre-tournament camp um all the travel involved uh and then obviously getting to the the world cup in um uh at the the space coast complex um Vieira, florida i think it was yeah there's like just fields everywhere that's all i remember i just remember lightning and fields that's what i remember oh the thunderstorms were insane that's a whole different conversation (laughs) um but yeah just completely I really, going into my first tour- first World Cup, obviously I was trying to find that balance of um, being kind of locked in and focused and there to perform, um, but also trying to take that moment to step back and really experience everything and um, just not be so serious all the time to, yeah, look at all the, like, look at all the people, look at the stadiums, um, kind of really take note of, like, how I was feeling and, um just be really kind of proud as well, um, proud that I'd finally got there. Um, so kind of finding that balance was a bit tricky and I 
for my first one, I probably didn't get it right. I was um, so nervous and so anxious the whole time about uh, the, like the, the, my performance and playing um, that uh, I was probably a little bit too switched on for most of it. Um, but obviously that's, like you say, that, that first tournament's trial and error. So you're probably not going to get it exactly right on the first one. Um, but yeah, I just remember the, the nervousness, the, the, yeah, just complete awe and shock and, um, excitement. <laughs> hey, that was me yesterday in our Saturday game against Springvale. I still get that. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we, we go to the World Cup and I think, like, I think back to my first World Cup, I spent m- the vast majority of mine on the bench, which is a rookie. That's what you sort of expect. I walked into a mm-hmm. team of absolute superstars and I'm like, cool, I'm on the bench with the coaches. And it's a great place to learn. Yes. You went, nah, I'm not sitting on the bench. I'm going to play every single game. And you spent most of your time at first base. You did, we did get to see you catch in a game and then you, you DH. So you, you, you appeared in every single game as a rookie. You batted 450. Tell me, do you, do you, are you talking about like it was a whirlwind? Do you remember much of your performance? Do you remember much of that? How do, how do you rate that? Uh, absolutely not. So from memory, I remember almost nothing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just the, the state of my mind at that point was uh, there was so much adrenaline and so much anxiety. Um, yeah, there, there's not much in my memory. Um, I had to go back and watch it. So obviously, uh, like you said, having the ability to go back and watch the games on YouTube um, priceless absolutely priceless so yeah I've gone back and watched rewatched the games um a couple of times actually uh just kind of reminiscing and initially just wanting to yeah just see what happened remember what happened and what I did um uh but yeah very unfortunately very little from my actual memory (laughs) well tell me about um I think it's a really interesting thing for baseball players that haven't played like club to state to the world cup where you can go from being shortstop and number four in your club team to being on the bench and a backup outfielder. Or you can start your career as an outfielder, be switched to a catcher, go to a World Cup and play your whole World Cup as first base, which is what you did. How important is that for you? Like, What was that mental and emotional switch to go, you know what, I'm playing for Australia, I will play wherever they, I will cut the oranges, I don't care. How was that for you? Like just going, okay, cool, I'm at first base. How did you approach that? Yeah, well, that's that's exactly right. So the um, the goal the goal was never to well, I probably take that back. The goal is obviously to catch for Australia. My my passion is catching. Um, that's my number one position. So the the goal was always to eventually get to catching for Australia. Um, but the obviously the the step before that is playing for Australia. Um, and the the important part was getting that jersey on my back and having that Australia on my chest. That's the the got to be the first goal, obviously. Um, and when I was, uh, when I was looking at it, obviously, and when the coaches were looking at it, honestly, um, when it comes down to me and someone like Tani Lovering, um, some, some decisions needed to be made, obviously, um, on my part on whether I was willing to, uh, take that step back and say, um, I'll, I'll be your, your number two, I'll be your second string. Um, and there's no shame in being a number two to Tani Lovering. Yes, yes. Um, wow. Um, you've, got to be, you've still got to be proud of that, obviously. Oh, um, yeah. we, we trained together. Um, we trained a lot together um, and obviously pushed each other. Or I pushed her as hard as I could. Um, there's no taking the crown off her head, uh, at least not for the time being. Um, I tried. 
failed, but that's okay. I'm, I, I can live with that. I don't, um, okay, I don't like you saying the word failed. I think you, <laughs> yeah, I, I think, yeah. I, I just think when you look at people like Tani, you're just like, yep, she's the best in the biz. So there's no, yeah. yeah. She can she can wear the crown until she's um, she's willing to, to <laughs> partially hand it over, maybe. <laughs> Um, so yeah, the, uh, the decision was made, obviously that, um, time was going to remain, uh, with the crown. Um, so the, um, the options for me were, uh, basically find, find somewhere else to fit. Um, and it was first base. So, uh, they, they had that conversation with me and said, that's the, that's going to be the spot that you fit. Um, and then, yeah, like I said, it's up to me whether I accept that, um, uh, or, or not. And obviously not is not an option. Um, so yeah, we, I moved out to first base and, um, did it, had to do, put a lot of work in there to, um, get up to scratch, um, having not really played there again since juniors. Um, so yeah, it took, it took a lot of work, took a lot of, um, a lot of reps, a lot of work mentally in terms of the, the mindset, um, and being okay with being out of position at such a level. Um, very intimidating, very scary experience, um, and that probably contributed to most of the anxiety that I was feeling during the games once we got there. Um, just trying to keep my cool while being out of position at, at such a high level. Um, but yeah, it, it all came together. Um, hard work paid off, and uh, yeah, I got through all the games uh, mostly unscathed. Um, yeah, and like you said, got a couple of chances to, to catch, which was... Uh, just really 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 cool um I can't can't really find words again without getting too emotional about it but the those the couple of chances I got were absolutely priceless um and they're probably when I say I watch games back they're probably the ones that I watch the most just uh yeah makes it really makes my heart happy that I that I got that opportunity well it makes a lot of us happy that you got that opportunity and it's it's interesting when you say how nervous you were and I think that I think nerves are great. As I said, like yesterday, I was nervous. We had a one-run game and you, you want to be nervous because it just shows your passion. But for anyone that mm-hmm. hasn't watched the games or has watched the games, I get online, watch them on YouTube because I want them, A, to see a outfielder turn catcher turn first base at the last minute play. Like you look like you own that position. You look like you've been playing there for years. But I, I wanted to ask you, have you ever played poker? Because if you watch you in those games – you can't see. You've just got this. You've got your glasses on. Yes, just your emotions don't change. And you must have just, you've kept it in. Like you were, you were Mrs. Cool. <laughs> the, the sunglasses had a lot to do with that. That's kind of my, it's like that's my mask, like yep. my superhero mask that yep. I put on. And it's just, uh, I'm, I'm good to go. That's kind of my game mode as soon as the, the sunnies are on. They're a bit of a, a trademark for me. Um, uh, for, for a long time now, I've been a big yeah. fan of the sunnies. Helps, uh, yeah. Hide the hide the fear in my heart. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, yeah. As I said, anyone get on and watch it, and um, yeah, see exactly what someone who's playing out of position, as you call it, at a World Cup. Um, and and people like Samantha Hamilton, um, Nat Rawlings, Katie Gaynor. There's been a lot of them who've been last minute thrown out of position, and it's just what you do. You do whatever you need to do at it for Australia. So, mm-hmm. um, that was that was nearly four years ago now. We've seen obviously. <sighs> Unfortunately, we lost the 2020 World Cup. Um, in, in Australia, it's been really hard. We've fortunately got some league. We've, we haven't had our league shut down, but we have lost two nationals. And we're about six weeks out. So if people are listening to this podcast, at the moment, as, as we record, we're about six weeks out of nationals. And this is the first nationals in three years. The first nationals since 
you were part of the team that, that won, the Victoria Blue team that won in 2019. Um, you're on the squad heading away, headed up by um, new coach Samantha Hamilton, working with the Baseball Victoria High Performance Program. How's that been? Um, what's that working with that program and uh, that new team and new coach like? Yeah, it's been um, very cool to kind of transition into um, a different approach. Uh, obviously, the last uh, fair few years have been run, the big team's been run by um, Dean Anglin. Um, so he headed that up for a few years. Um, and I think change is always going to be good. So we had a pretty a pretty good routine in terms of how the program was run um, under Dean um, and was very consistent, kind of how he did things. Um, but it's been really, really cool to see kind of that changing of the guard and see how Sam's come in and um, implemented her knowledge and her approach to, to baseball in general. Um, so working under her, really cool. Um, we also also get to work, uh, like you said, with the uh, high-performance guys through um, Baseball Victoria, being um, Damien Shanahan and Kelly Zablin. Um, those guys are absolutely unbelievable. The the knowledge that those guys have um, and the, the way they communicate is, um, is obviously a reason they're the, the high-performance development um, guys for BB. Um, but, yeah, they are... They're incredible, um, and they've they've really welcomed us with uh, open arms. Obviously, um, their experience with women's baseball has been fairly limited over the years, um, but the fact that they're jumping in, um, you know, they've jumped off the cliff with us. They're 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 in, um, and the the combination of those two guys and Sam and her knowledge, and also the obviously the other coaching staff um, that have come on board this year, um, I'm I'm really excited. It's going to be it's very different. Um, but I'm very excited to see how it kind of shapes up the next couple of weeks and then going into the tournament itself. And the team is so exciting from not just the calibre of the players, but the the youth in the team um, and break the news. You're not one of the youth anymore. You're at the old age of 27. I don't even remember when I was 27. Um, You're one of the leaders. You're one of the veterans. You're a very unassuming leader. You're very, um, as I said, your glasses are on. You're very lead by example is that something you have enjoyed sort of stepping into as you has have you gotten older and I'm using air quotes right now <laughs> um yeah so uh naturally um as I've mentioned previously uh, being a catcher kind of it lends itself um hand in hand with uh, becoming a bit of a leader um and again like you say kind of very understated um quiet approach kind of lead by example again as you say um I'm not, I've never been a big, kind of big, loud personality of, you know, being a big rah-rah um, kind of uh, leader or player. Um, I much prefer, you know, quieter, you know, conversations, quiet little comments, making sure people are, you know, understanding their role and understanding even their baseball, making sure they're confident in their baseball um, and just making sure everyone's kind of heading in the same direction um, in terms of their um, values and their goals for within the team. Um, yeah, I've always, always kind of assumed that uh, that role. Even even pre catching, I, I really enjoyed doing that. Um, but yeah, catching kind of uh, accelerated that role with me. Um, yeah, I, I just really enjoy uh, being around the younger players and encouraging them, making sure they um, have the same passion that I do. Um, and yeah, keeping them on a on a, a good, um, open-minded path in terms of their approach to baseball. 
And obviously, as we said, we've got the Nationals in 2022 in April and then looking ahead to a show, another showcase, um, the Australian Women's Baseball League potentially getting off the ground. And then another World Cup. So World Cup is that, have you got a calendar of 2024 in your wall already pinned in, getting that second opportunity? Is that is that obviously a goal for you? Uh, it, it is. Um, it's always going to be um, a goal to get to, get to another one. Um, I'd really hate to think that uh, 2018 was my one chance. Um, at the moment, unfortunately, I'm, I'm dealing with some more issues that have popped up um, surrounding my knee, so that's um, giving me some more trouble, unfortunately. Um, it's, again, unfortunately, has kind of forced me out of um, catching, so I can't, uh, I can't catch anymore, um, meaning I'm moving out to first base full-time um, and also giving, a, giving throwing, giving pitching a go um, while my arm's still healthy, so we'll, we'll use that, uh, but still, um, you know, treating me well. Um, so yeah, hopefully getting my knee back to a decent position, um, healthy enough to kind of get me through games performing well. Um, and then, yeah, who knows if I can hang on that long, um, in terms of keeping my knee healthy, absolutely 2024. Um, yeah, it'll always be on the, on the page of, of goals. Um, it'll just be whether my body lets me get there. Well, I think if there's anybody that's able to, I guess, as we said, we talk about how hard the baseball is physically, but mentally and emotionally, I think it's what you've gone through in, as we said, you're still only 27. I have pretty pretty strong belief and faith in you that I know that you'll be able to, to work through what you're working through now. And as we said, you've moved around the field, you've battled injuries um, and things like that. So it's been, yeah, a privilege to, to watch your career to this point. And I really hope I'll be getting up at, two o'clock in the morning every wherever this world cup is um yeah making sure i'm watching you for your second your second appearance so um thank you again congratulations on um your career today and look forward to seeing yeah just how better you're gonna get because i reckon we still haven't seen the best of you ah thank you um yeah i'm working on it hopefully there'll be plenty more plenty more appearances fingers crossed well thank you for joining me on women's baseball the inside pitch thank you for having me Thank you for joining me for another episode of Women's Baseball, The Inside Pitch. I really hope you liked today's episode. And if it was your first, welcome. But make sure you go back and listen to some of the earlier episodes with some of the great names and stories from women's baseball all around the world. Catch you next time.